Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to share my screen with you. Ooh. And then... Qu'est-ce que c'est? You're going to help me uh, shop for some wine. Okay. <gasps> I share. love this. I love okay. when our wine buying time coincides with recording. So, listeners, we are, of course, on wink.com. Of course. Um, are not a sponsor yet. Uh, not a sponsor yet. Okay, so this looks really good. This is a new one for them, okay. not like new to the world, but in Invoke Sauvignon Blanc. I like the label. Label's it's that pretty. Smoky color and liquid vibe going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's um, a nice color. It doesn't look like water. It ha- It's low sugar, it's dry. Love it. 14.5% alcohol, right? Green. Fruit, I love stuff with green apple notes. Fruit is way off the charts, as is earth, low low on the woodiness. I don't like seeing um, grass, but then again, like I'm sure I drink things that have grass notes and I just don't even care because like my palate again right. is not that refined. <laughs> so I'm going to add this one and then I like you, it. I, I did really like that honey beast. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see if they have. Yeah, they've got more of that. So the one that I had, I actually went back and looked. I yeah. didn't have the Chardonnay. I had the, oh. ooh, I pronounce it wrong every time. The one v- Viognier? Viognier. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the Honey Beast I had, and oh. that was excellent. I don't know ooh. if they also have that or if they only have the Chard right now, but. I've only seen the Chard. Oh, here's our good friend, uh, Outer Sounds. I liked your the good Outer friend. Sounds. I liked, yeah, I know. I, my, good, not your, my. Just a, just a friend of a friend for me. A good acquaintance. I'm happy to see them, but we're not going <laughs> to hang out on our own. Um, Le Bobo. Ooh, Le but also still the shard. So it depends on if you want just all tried and true or if you want to throw in some. Oh, you um, know I want something. Well, I mean, no, I did just get a new one. Oh, this one also looked good, too. The Point de Passage. Point <laughs> I'm, just, de passage. I'm just adding a little. Because it, it has the duh. If the it duh, point, so it's got to be. It is it's a not, Van de France, France. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. So, 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 Point. Point de Passage. And this looks very artistic. The label is black. Yes. It's white. It's gray tones. What uh, what font is this? What am I looking at here? I mean, it is a uh, it is not a default font. That is for sure. So I'm into it. I like seeing white peach. I don't know how that's mm-hmm. going to mix with wet stone. Um, it is vegan, which is jazzy, sustainable, is. excellent. Every time I try wine, I'm always just like, yep, tastes like wine, right? So it's not, <laughs> I'm not ever going to, it's only when, sh- shout out to former work wife, Nicole, who is probably not listening to this, um, but is, oh, that's a butterscotch. I thought it was a donut. I was like, oh, taste the donut? Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh Every time, like, because she is a very refined palate and would say things like, oh, I taste peppercorns. I'm like, well, now that you say it, I can definitely, <laughs> like, I would have never come up with that on my own. But when you say it, I'm like, no, I see what you mean. But for me, it's, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I am definitely just going, it tastes like wine. Um, I mean, you can always just shore. go for another L'Atelier de Sud because you cannot go wrong with that. You cannot go wrong with L'Atelier de Sud. But wait, Sud. I still haven't uh-huh. gotten a rosé, so maybe I should just try the Wonderful Wine Co. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this <laughs> Clean picture. Clean wine for better living. This picture is 
what I feel like when I drink my wonderful wine, Co. Wine. Their labels are also like they look like they're very pretty, but they look sort of plain. But when you look closer, it's always something like powered by lightning bolts or something like that. It's very, they're very cute. I'm very into it. It is for paleo people, party people. And everyone in between. Which yeah, because like- paleo people are for sure not party people. They ain't eating any cake. <laughs> I fall right in between. I want to get to know this couple, and therefore I am <laughs> getting this wine. All Love right. it. So so Love I it. have 2019 Invoke Sauvignon Blanc, which is citrus, quaffable, crisp. You know who would like the wet that wine would be Raymond from Animal Crossing New Horizons, since his, his little buzzword is crisp. 2018 Honey Beef Chardonnay, 2020 Outer Sound Sauve Blanc, thank you, 2020 Point de Passage Sauvignon Blanc, thank you, 2019 Folly of the Beast. I cannot wait to hear what you think of it. That's going to go in my next box as well. (laughs) Guess what? I've unlocked (laughs) Freezing. I too have way too many credits. Um, I I apparently don't drink my wine fast enough to keep up. I don't know how it sneaks up on me. Yeah. I don't know. But let's do this. Let's do this. Ah, oh, look, I've accomplished something today. <laughs> Yay! Uh, much like much like General McRaven says, start your day out with an easy, small accomplishment, and it sets the tone for your entire day. Well, you guys, uh, this was a that was a preface to a wine times because yeah. we are the Wine Times Mysteries podcast. Oh, Hello, right, 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 right. Well, I'm MM. And I'm Katie, and we're bi-coastal besties. And we're bonding over wine and mysteries on this Wine Times Mysteries podcast, where um, hot off of her perfect score from uh, two episodes ago, and then we'll once again be in the hot seat guessing for this way less racist episode of uh, Beyond Belief. Fact or Fiction, this is Season 2, Episode 11. Um, the Frakes fit off the bat. We are with his favorite of the black suit with the black and gray striped shirt underneath. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling they had a low budget for wardrobe. And so he, I mean, the, the camel suit has never come back. Maybe there was a note that like he needs to be dressed dark to match uh, mm-hmm. Morticia Adams. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, mansion. So... Uh, this the theme of this episode, friends, is disasters. And um, <laughs> hello, that's also the name of my autobiography. Disasters, <laughs> the MM Dis- story. <laughs> uh, caution: the show you're about to see is headed for disaster. <laughs> it's is is, it in a shambles. It's kind of in a shambles. So okay. Um, that, so that's the, you know, he walks in and his footsteps in the, the mansion are echoing and, and then that's it, the, you know, look directly to camera, caution, the episode you're about to see is headed for disaster. And I was like, that could apply to a lot of these episodes, my dude, but <laughs> many, okay. Many, of these episodes. All right. So listeners, I want you to get ready to play along. I want you to, um, this is a call to action. Guess along, please. And let us know how you do, um, as we go. Because uh, it's very easy for you to wait and see if MM gets like, another perfect score and go like, "Hey, me too." Um, I so anyway, if I can per- be perfectly disastrous here and get a no boobs. <laughs> <laughs> no boobs. Okay, so uh, this episode aired April thirtieth of ninety eight, 
And I say that because Frakes' intro, talk of disaster is very much with us in these times, from the sinking of great ships to comets headed towards Earth. And I was like, comets? And I brought this up to MM before we started recording, and she very geniusly said, Armageddon came out around then, huh? And I was like, that's it. That's what was in theaters, and that's what they were referring to. wasn't armageddon but was clearly made to rival armageddon around the same time deep impact thank you i can never remember that one that one's just a step too far okay deep impact sure yeah disasters like most things depend on your perspective and i was like huh Um, sorry no the like you can't say the titanic was half floating you that's like not mm, a perspective thing but okay uh so (sighs) agree to disagree freaks moving on the uh, optical illusion we get this time is a cir- like a circle with lots of concentric circles in it. So depending on how you look at it, either it looks like a mountain or a tunnel spiraling into an abyss. So the way he phrases it is the mountain is leading you up, up and away to safety and the tunnel is going into an abyss. This is like some Tony Robbins bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I honestly, the way that I looked at it, I could never see the, tu- the tunnel. It always looked like it was coming towards me. I and I was like, such oh. an optimist. It always but looked you know like I was not. climbing up to the highest potential. You very much know that that is incorrect. <laughs> I think this is like a matter of I wasn't crossing my eyes just right, like looking at a magic eye. God, I hated those things. Um, yeah. You know, just like kind of last time I was telling the story and I couldn't see the only one piece of cake left. But that's probably because I always want there to be more cake. Anyway, this show is about disasters or the consequences of disasters. And when evaluating, take your perspective from the mountaintop and avoid having a tunnel vision. So the tunnel to the abyss, etc. Okay. Story number one. Bon voyage. Bon a voyage. Is, it looks like a glass that you typically would get maybe like a frozen situation in, like a frozen margarita mm, situation. But he, he has what looks to be water in it. Um, he goes, cheers, salut, skull, laheim. Uh, and there's like a champagne bucket <laughs> next to him. I don't know why the laheim got me, but I need um, more of that in my life. <laughs> he says, no matter the culture, there's a toast um, to, you know, good fortune and things like that. Charles and Gwen Chandler uh, have a lot to celebrate. You know, it's their anniversary. And oh. they've gone, you know, they've, Congratulations been, they've loved to travel. To happy couple. And they've been through a lot. And then Fricks takes the champagne out of the bucket, pours a glass and hands it towards the camera. And he goes, let's join the celebration. The party's about to begin. Isn't that right, Frakes? So we are in spring of 1937. Whoa, okay. Time traveling, okay. The way that they establish that this is oldie timey, so the fa- the fashion sort of is right, but there's mostly, there's just like this hilariously bad map hanging on the wall of what looks to be some sort of cruise ship. That's what it looks like to me. Well, well question though, did he say... Frakes say that we're going to the spring of 1937. Did it pop up on the screen? The voiceover said. Oh, okay. Because that's a very specific year. So yes, 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 yes. All right. So the map looks like it was drawn by someone who heard about what the continents look like um, via telephone. 
like a telephone game. Like it's just it's like weird. It's squiggles. I'm like, where did you find this prop? This looks Blobs. like a child made it. Blobs. Whatever. So, but it's you know it's it's very sepia and everything. And it's sort of I guess. The whole thought is, they didn't know anything. I'm like, you had way better maps than that. It, like, treasure <laughs> maps look better than this. But whatever. Spring of 1937. Sure. Um, Charles and Gwen loved traveling with their friends, the Delaney's, Philip and Margaret. Uh, it is their 22nd anniversary. Uh, and they're, you know, they're like, a toast to your 22nd anniversary. So great. One of them makes a comment about how we never got to take our dream honeymoon. And Philip's like, will you ever tell us, like, what happened there? <laughs> like, very just like, he, he, he. Come on, Charles, give us the scoop. And Gwen goes, well, it was so unbelievable. We agreed just never to talk about it. And I was like, listen, if something super unbelievable happened to me, I'm telling fucking everyone. It is my go-to party story. This is it is why the alien probing story comes out friends. from Gwen. <laughs> this is why so many of my friends, although MM did get the scoop, she was the first person I called. But this is why so many of my friends know that last weekend when I opened the blinds to look outside and take in the gorgeous morning in Seattle, there were two gigantic <sighs> raccoons boning in my front yard. <laughs> I told everybody. I would too. It's and yeah, it's really unbelievable that in broad daylight, two big ass raccoons were for an hour on my lawn <laughs> boning. Oh no. But no. that is what happened. And I'm gonna share that with everyone because you're welcome. Now everyone knows. Mm. I don't care. If, Shared trauma. You know, like it's whatever, dude. If something cool and unbelievable happened to me, I don't care if people don't believe it. I'm gonna fucking tell people. So whatever, Gwen. So anyway, Philip looks at Charles and is just like Shut up, lady brain. Like, hey, Charles, like, tell us what happened. <laughs> and so they give in. And within our flashback to spring of 1937, uh-huh. we have another flashback sure. to 22 years ago when they're waking up. I guess the assumption is it's right after their wedding. So, you know, gross. And so they're waking up. And it's, you know, these two, they look nothing like the actors that they cast for uh, Charles and Gwen. Oh, I'm surprised too- they didn't just use the same people, but okay. No, no. Wow. <laughs> they're waking up and they're like, oh, you know, and they're all cuddled around each other and they're like smooching and stuff. And I'm like, gross. They tried to get, they're like, remember what happened? We tried to get out of bed. I was like, gross, Ew. Gwen. Like, I don't want to hear about this. Wait, and Gwen is telling their friend, like this in front of their friends. Remember what yes. happened? But what she means is so he's they're cuddled around and like his hand is on top of her hand like on her hip with their you know taste okay and, and they're wearing sure. like, you know oldie timey you know boudoir night clothes or whatever <laughs> and then he goes to move his hand and her hand moves too because their hands are stuck together because their wedding rings have fused together and so they go like this a lot and it's very funny and this is clearly visual medium <laughs> friends imagine like two you know, if you're doing like a little fish, like with your hands and your hands are on top of each other, like he kept like jerking his hand away and hers was just like going with it. It was very awkward. Why didn't so, they just take the rings off? So that was, the, that is the first question out of Margaret's mouth. Well, and they're like, well, our Margaret fingers. Is clearly a smart, intelligent individual. Yeah, of course. And beautiful. Yes. Um, She's and, a hot 40 if we're being honest. I mean, totally a hot 40. Mm-hmm. Um even though, like, I think they're supposed to be in their 50, like late 50s in this, but she's a hot late 50s. So they're like, our fingers were so swollen. And I was like, uh-huh. 
whatever, man. Maybe because they went like this, like they were flailing so much that their fingers like swelled up enough that they couldn't get it over their knuckles, whatever. They couldn't take them off themselves. So they're like, oh no. They And they make a point to say we had slept in. The thought was we were just going to get up, right up, throw our shit in a bag and get on the boat. So that, that never happens. That's right. That's a bad plan. Ever. So because they slept in so much or whatever, they have to, and they had to call a jeweler. The jeweler comes over is like, I've never seen this. Um, and, <laughs> I've just and literally never to, seen this. He has to send away for special tools because he doesn't want to damage the rings. And I'm like, at that point. Cut it off. Damage the fucking rings. Yeah. Side note. I didn't have a magical fusing of rings, but I did get a ring stuck on my finger. And um, friends, if this happens to you, you can go to your local fire station. They have <laughs> the tools for this. I did not go to the fire station. I went and, Okay. Back up. Wait, is this like the jaws of life, but for a ring on your finger? So here's the thing. I found this ring that my dad had given my mom like a thousand years. So my dad used to travel for work all the time. And he would always bring us back little gifts. And so he had gone to Arizona or New Mexico. I forget because this was a thousand years ago and the present wasn't for me. So my self-centered brain definitely doesn't remember. But he bought her this like silver and turquoise ring that is was beautiful, but not my mom's style. So she never wore it. And once I was old enough to have it, she gave it to me because I wear thousands mm-hmm. of rings and then they don't have they don't have to match. So I'm wearing I wear that ring all the time when I was little. I put it on, I found it and put it on when I was a adult. And um, it was a little tight or whatever, but it was cold. And, so, and you know how metal shifts a little bit. So it slid right on. It wasn't like I had to force it on or whatever, but it was cold. So then I went and got Chipotle and came in and warmed up and my finger swelled up or like and the metal, like whatever, uh-huh. just enough that it was stuck. And so I was like, huh. And so I got it over the knuckle and it started to hurt. And really, I should have just sucked it up and yanked it off. But instead, I pushed it back down like a fucking idiot. So now my finger is a little bit swollen from all of the like the struggles. And now... It's the ring is too tight to let the swelling go down. And so the thing is fucking stuck. I asked my roommate at the time and she was just like, we tried butter. We tried all sorts of stuff. Didn't help. Um, And she was like, take a shower. That didn't like literally like and it wasn't like my finger was so big that it looked it didn't hurt. It didn't look like it was like, but it just was never going to go down. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, Mm -hmm. you know, so. I wake up at like four in the morning and it's no change. So I decide I'm going to the hospital because <laughs> I didn't know at the time you could just go to your local fire station. Well, who, who would know that? Who? We live right down the street from a fire station. So I could have just walked to this fire station. But who knew? That was a um, thing. Right. You could do. And so this was also right after I had really moved to uh, my apartment that was across from the National Zoo. So I didn't really know the area or anything yet. I think Sibley probably would have been the closest hospital. I had no idea how to get to it. My GPS was not connecting. This was before I had a smartphone. So I drove to the only hospital I knew the location of for sure, which was Shady Grove Adventist. Oh, so I drove so no. far. Yes. And so I drove there. I walk in. I'm like, it's not an emergency. However, I I'm just... here at the hospital. But, you know, I, was like, ER. I don't know. I was like, I don't know what to do. And so I was basically was just telling them. And like, it wasn't like a packed ER, like, oh, that's so many people. Like, I, I think I was in like the regular area. So there was really like 
two other people sitting in the waiting room. Was and it was busy. what time at this point? Like five, probably five. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling her a, a super cute nurse is going by and he's like, he's hearing this and she's mm-hmm. about to start taking my, um, my insurance information. And he goes, do you promise not to sue us? And I was like, sure. And he's like, <laughs> don't like, like, let's not make this a thing. Like, this is so dumb. I'm just going to go take care of this for her right now. So he takes me back. He gets, he pulls out this little, it looks like a little tiny little pizza cutter that has like a backboard. So like clearly the backboard slides under your finger mm-hmm. so that he doesn't cut your finger. And he's like, do you care about the thing? He's like, the ring. I was like, just get it the fuck off. I don't care. Um, he did make me pinky swear. So we pinky swore. I would sue him. <laughs> he sliced right through the ring. Because he looked at it. He was like, oh, I could definitely get that. Like, this is so easy. Like, this is not, mm-hmm. your hand is not in danger. This is done i was literally there for two minutes um i still have the ring i have not he's like i cut that really cleanly you could probably get that fixed by a jeweler i was like i'm never putting that fucking thing on my hand again but thank you (laughs) so i still have the ring in its cut form somewhere um i think i put i uh, taped it to a piece of paper that says never forget um so at what point did he give you his number he didn't i didn't ask for it like a fucking moron anyway so i i blame it on the time so I leave, I go back home, and um, that's the tale of how I got the ring off. So anyway, this oldie-timey jeweler needs to send away for a special tool, which ends up looking like like, a, like something you would ice a cake with. Like, it's a very, like, it's like a sheet of metal, but he uses it to, like, basically fucking cut their rings off. Um, but he, so he cuts where they're fused, so the rings are fine. He just cuts where they've melted together. And... By that time, they run to catch their boat, and um, Margaret is like, this is the saddest story I've ever heard. Oh, Margaret needs so they, to get out a little bit more then. So they run to catch their boat. They miss it by minutes, and they're like, oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. And they're like, no, it's actually cool because it was the Lusitania is what we missed. And it, like, you know, the Lusitania, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. It, it sank. It, yeah, 1,200 people or whatever died. And so they're like, ha-ha. Uh, and so Philip is like, okay, cool. Cheers to the luckiest people on earth. And they're like, yeah, see, we still have the rings. And they show, and you can kind of see how, like, th- there's a weird melted spot where they had been fused together. That So they're like, yeah, we wear them every day. Da-da-da, so lucky, so lucky. Um, so they're like, cheers to the luckiest couple. And then everyone in the dining room where they are, like, gets up. And I was like, huh? And they're like, oh, Everyone's going to the observation deck. We must be docking. And I was like, okay. So everyone goes over to the observation deck and then everything goes to black and white and it goes to archival footage because my friend, they are on the Hindenburg and they are docking in New Jersey and the Hindenburg explodes. And um, that's the end of that story. Like Frakes does not specify if they're one of the survivors because only apparently I didn't know this about the Hindenburg, but half the people on board died. So I don't know if, like, our friends here are among the half. But it does I, – I don't think so because then it cuts to, like, a very, you know, soft focus of the young actors, you know, snuggling in bed from the from the original honeymoon. So I think the, the goal is that, yes, 22 years later, they got Final Destination. And they I was about to say, so this is an, an, uh, another version of Final Destination. Like, <laughs> you're going to die. It's either in, in 19 19- – 22 or 1937 or seven uh so is this based on an actual event or have we ignited an explosion 
of lies. Explosion of lies. Explosion of lies. <laughs> okay. So, bon voyage. MM has said false. And I'm typing out false because, you guys, I was writing F for fact and F for false when I was making my notes today. And I had to go back and fix them because I'm an idiot. All right. So, like, I'm in fate, a shambles. Because, like, fate was one time, like, no, your love is just so great. It's going to save you. And the second time, everyone's like, fuck this shit. Story number, number two. Number the man, two. The man in the Model T. The props are like, Frakes has like a table full of garbage in front of him. Not like garbage, like garbage, but garbage like shit you find at a swap meet oh. or like a like a. I was going to say the kind that raccoon friends like to bone in. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. My front yard is not full of garbage. So they like to they, they they like to bone in a beautifully manicured yard where I don't ever pick the grass that's coming up between my paving stones. But other than that, in great shape. Excuse me. Um, maybe I'll have to share the picture that I because I clearly took a picture of them. I'll have to share maybe the picture on the Insta. Um, anyway, so. Frakes has a whole bunch of, like, just antique looking shit in front of him. Have you ever been to a swap meet? So, Elmo P. Middleton. Stop. Right there. Had everything that you needed to have, like, a successful booth at a swap meet. He had great merchandise, the charm, the positive attitude. But you could say his business was a disaster. Was it in a shambles? Was it in a shambles? So, the voiceover is Molly's mom. She never gets a name. So She doesn't need one. That's her whole identity. And her... Her voiceover is like this kitchen sink of like information. It was, there's no good segues. It's just, she's clearly like hitting like the list. Mm -hmm. It just, once again, I don't think the bar was high for people to get a writing job here. Like it might be like their first writing job so they could get their, um, get their union card and then, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. So she's decided that she's going to run a booth at their like the local swap meet. Molly uh, or Molly's mom? Molly's mom. Okay. Because she wants to help raise money for Molly's college. The swap meet had been closed for a month since the earthquake. Oh, um, I was like, COVID, of course. No, no. The, the earthquake. Gotcha. There gotcha. are still aftershocks sometimes. It's 8 a.m. and people are ready to shop. It looks like they're in like this post-industrial area. Like it's just very like there's like a building that's like being built like way in the distance. There's like oil garbage and everything around. Like it's some oil tracks. garbage, huh? You, just it, it just I was just like, where are they? Where's like, what? the EPA and why aren't they doing their job? Oh, there's just gosh. oil garbage everywhere. So it's just that yeah, it's just like by some train tracks in like Ugh. a super industrial area. It's just like why is this whatever? It doesn't matter. This is where you so go to swap your shit. So they're setting up their booth of weird tchotchkes. She's also still voiceovering that her husband Marv was such a good man, but he died. And Marv. Like, their insurance is yes, Marv. He, insurance only covered but so much. Her work salary is make, helping them just get by. Molly's the best daughter ever. She's been dreaming about going to college forever. Of course. And they Keep can't dreaming. sell anything. Like they have, you know, they've been there for hours and no one wants their shit. Well, because it's Up shit. Up comes okay. a weird old man who at first I thought was Elmo because he was a weird, he's very dressed very strangely. So I was just like, why would he Look, be dressed so strangely if he wasn't a character? It's no, a trap. He's a- trying to get Molly into slavery, modern day <laughs> slavery. He's a sex trafficker. Stay away from that old man. Molly is like, 
She looks like she's in high school, so they did a good job casting. Uh-huh. But this poor actress, I swear to God, needed better direction because the entire time she's just sort of mouth breathing and staring off into the middle distance. So, like, just the whole time she's always just like, it. She, you know, she looks like there's nothing go that she is perhaps a smooth brain. Who knows? Well, maybe she shouldn't be. Maybe college isn't for her. You know, college maybe. isn't for everyone. It's a nice dream, Molly. So a weird old dude wearing like a floppy hat, a tank top, a floppy hat. Of like a like I'm imagining really like a lady's brim. straw brim. Yes, hat. like oh. very similar to that. Okay, like a weird scarf and then like a tank top and then so, like he just looks so fucking weird and he's just a weirdo. He comes up and says, "All your shit is junk. There's nothing special here. Um, I will buy your station wagon though to haul all my shit." And how the, will they how will they get their shit home? And literally, the mom is like, "We need my station wagon to move our stuff, but thanks though." And he's they- like fine like, thanks for calling my asshole. stuff shit yeah get out of here and so and then molly's like maybe i'll just like skip college and like how much did you like like put college off <laughs> and you know get get a job and make some money like one, for a year one or day at a swap meet what did she think they were gonna bring in i mean depending and, like, all on the stuff, year like, it could have covered like, college tuition but like what yeah, all their stuff looks like like, like old, an old lamp. Like it's just it looks like they did a like cleaned out their garage. It's not like they have. Like, is this like a buy nothing? This should have been a buy nothing listing, <laughs> right? So, and the mom's like, "Don't worry, we're gonna figure it out." I'm like, "You're gonna do what everyone else does is you're gonna take out a whole bunch of loans and be fucked for a very long time." It's the American you know, way. I mean, so up comes this Model T. It's like with a honking the horn like it's not like a it's not like a musical horn because it's a model t but he's just like he's honking it in a rhythm is it morse code signaling for help and then molly looks up and is like excited but also still mouth breathing and it lingers on her for like so she's like it like lingers on her face for quite a long time and whatever so elmo p middleton gets out and he is wearing he looks like the wizard from the Wizard of Oz in the face. Just gotcha. putting that out there. It's a very clear image. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, and he has like the waxed mustachio. Uh-huh. Mustachio. Uh, he's wearing a, bl- a bright yellow coat that's like the length of a duster that looks like it might be made out of plastic, but it's just like a big bright yellow coat, orange, like very long, bright orange scarf, and a pilot's helmet, like oldie tiny, that's like leather and has like the goggles. Every he, man in this story has an ulterior motive. Like, this is I not mean, good. And he just charges right on up to Molly and Molly's mom and is like, hi, I'm, and like introducing himself. I'm M.O.P. Middleton, you know. And then as he's doing this, there's a tremor. The mom is like really concerned about it. Sure. And, he's, and Elmo's just like, whatever. And she, and she's like, you didn't feel that tremor? And he's like, no. But everyone else also, like, reacts to Elmo. So it's not like he's a ghost that, like, no one else can see. I do want to put that out there. Everyone else sees him and reacts to him. So his Model T has, like, a hitchy thing on the back. And he takes the back off the hitchy thing. And there's all sorts of treasures in the back. And all these people swarm in to look at it. And, like, including our old bitch of a man. And the old bitch of a man is like, like, oh, like, what, you know, what do you want for that? And then Elmo's line to everyone is, how much you got? So anytime anyone picks anything up, he's like, how much you got? And people are like insulted by this and walk away instead of answering him, well, I have like $5. Like they don't try to haggle. It's just like, they're just like, they feel insulted by how much you got. And so he doesn't sell anything. So um, have they not been out, to a swap meet before? I mean, apparently. So 
everyone clears out. Mouth breather comes on up and she sees this little lamp that um like I can't really tell what it looks like, but it has kind of some sort of glass on it that looks kind of like a Tiffany's lamp, you know, that sort of like stained okay. glass. Mm-hmm. She's looking at it and she's like staring at this lamp and she clearly loves it. And like MLP Middleton is like staring at her like through the slats of the thing. And he goes, you know, oh, isn't that a really special lamp? And she's like, yeah, you know, it's really beautiful, but I can't buy anything. I'm, you know, we're here to sell our own stuff, trying to save up for my college or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, you really love that lamp, don't you? And I was like, she's had it in her hands for about two minutes, but okay. And then she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, how much you got? And she answers him. She's like, I've got $3 in my pocket. And he's like, then it's $3. So that's what all these people just had to say. Like, Hey, I don't have all that. Like, I think he's, yeah. I think he's was running a pay what you can thing. And they, everyone was all like, fuck off. So anyway, he's like, then it's $3. So she's like, oh, wow, here you go. Thank you so much. And um, she walks away like, you know. Cradling the lamp. Yes. And he's just like got a twinkle in his eye or whatever. So swap, cut to end of swap meet. MOP Middleton is driving off and he, a big old trunk that was in the back of his hitchy Model T thing has been left. And Mouth Breather is like, Mr. Middleton, Mr. Middleton, you left your trunk. He's like, it came with the lamp. And he could drives off. It so, came with the lamp. Okay. So the mom and Mouth Breather go up to the uh, <gasps> trunk. And there's, there's a body like a, inside. There's not a body inside. Are you there's sure? a little. There's a sticker on the outside that says RMS Titanic. Like, not a sticker that looks looks new or whatever, but, like, a label that had been put on there. So they're like, uh-huh. oh, it's from, this is from the Titan. Are we sure it's not just severed heads inside? <laughs> and so they open it, and it's full of all of, like, these, like, like, China and things that, like, clearly came, of, assumedly, from the Titanic. And they're saying that the, that, the, that Molly and um, her mom are a little bit moved by this because her great-grandfather was among the people that died on the Titanic. The great-grandfather, Marvin Jurgens. So Marv is a family name. Marvin Jurgens died on the Titanic. And then they take out a flask that is inscribed with the name Marvin Jurgens. So the assumption being that all the shit in this trunk is from their great-grandfather. So they're like, yay! So the whole point of this is that Selling all of those antiques that they got from Elmo P. Middleton helped pay for college. Oh, because that's what it takes in this garbage country to go to college is a treasure trove of antiques from the Titanic. Yeah, yeah, right? And they're saying, they looked back and they're like, come to think of it, Elmo P. Middleton looks a lot like Marvin Jurgens. So that's the end of that story, by the way. What? Uh, (laughs) So they're like, the thought being, he didn't feel the tremor. Because that was like a big fucking, they were like talking yeah. about the earthquake or whatever. He didn't feel the tremor, but everyone could see him. So it's just, is he like a friendly little ghost that's like, here, have or my stuff. a weird, not a reincarnation because he looks like, I, I don't Right. And they're in modern times. So it's like, why does he have a Model T, whatever. So I don't know, man. So that's it. And so uh, Brakes is just like, are we swapping the truth for more lies? And he like, and he does say like, is it just a coincidence, okay. or is was it Marvin Jurgens' spirit or whatever? So, um, what do you think? Do we ever find out what the P stands for? No, but it's not Parvin Jurgens. <laughs> There's no like better connection or anything. 
I didn't like, I looked at it. I was like, well, this isn't, it's his name. Elbow, Elmo P. Middleton is not like an anagram for Mervyn Jenkins, <laughs> which is such a um, fun choice of a name. There's a lot of things I really don't like about this story. Just like uh, how there was an earthquake and it's still aftershocking a month later. Is I, that how earthquakes happen? I don't know. I, I don't. You're on the, you're the West Coast person now. You're supposed to know this. I'm not supposed to. I've know had this. the exact same amount of earthquakes here as I've had back in DC, which is one. I'm just saying this is this is you. This is on you. Uh, because there seems to be a supernatural element, even though it's ridiculous, and he just mm-hmm. vaguely happens to look like Marvin Jurgens, and we don't know if that's Marv, the husband, dead husband Marv, or Marv, great grandfather. Marv, I'm going to say true because, okay, garbage country. True. God. I mean, it does make sense that someone would need something extraordinary to go to college and they didn't have GoFundMes at this point. So, okay. <laughs> just just the antiques from the Titanic. That's all it takes. Because, yeah, because Frank says, they like, oh, all those antiques turned out to be authentic and they did make quite a bit of money off them. So she did get to, Molly did, mouth breather, got to go to State University. So to state, did he actually say state university? Well, no, they, they earlier in the thing, they said they wanted to, that Molly was just like, I, we just want to send her to the state university. It didn't specify what state. Okay. So, okay. Um, that so, one. Sure. Yeah. Number three, the yeah. scoop. We are Ooh. back to Ooh. oldie timey times. Uh, so the ice prop- cream or news for scoop. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream or news? I know, I was laughing. I couldn't get shit out of it. News. Oh, news so scoop. not nearly as exciting to me personally, but okay. Correct. It's correct. So news scoop. And as you'll find out, the prop is a telegram. So Frakes, once again, talks about, you know, modern technology, whatever, you know, news travels fast these days, but back then it used to come via telegraph, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. Uh, I thought I thought Frakes hosted this and not Andy Rooney. See, like, back in my day, we send each other a wire on the telegram. So, Jack Hogan is a reporter who needs a good story, but only has one in his dreams. And his dreams are about to become nightmares. This is way more dramatic than the story actually is. Much like when there were screams from hell from that chalkboard. And it was just like, we are in an oldie-timey news office in 1883. Oh, we are oldie timey in 1880. Ooh. Yeah, so very oldie timey. Everyone's got typewriters, you know, da da da. There's copy boys going around. So uh, Jack has no story and he's very upset about it. And he looks and he's looking around and like other people are typing. So he's like, other people seem to have stories. I don't know what the problem is. Um, it's like, or are they trying to impress old man Trapwell, the managing editor? Trapwell comes in. He could not be more stereotypical old man. And he comes in and he's just like, good on you, son. And like, it's like talking to everyone who's working. And he comes over to where Jack is mouth breathing at his non-typing mouth, on Mouth typewriter. breathing, huh? Whoa. Breathing. I said mouth breathing. Oh, that's not what the closed sir. captioning said. <laughs> I am cutting out all of this. <laughs> I think you so, got raccoons on the brain. <laughs> mouth <laughs> breathing. <laughs> so... Uh, Jack is just like staring at his typewriter and is just like literally is like like just act like you're busy my dude if old man Trapwell is going look around, he but... doesn't have a story what's he supposed to do old man Trapwell rolls on over and it's just like do you need some more tape for that typewriter my boy and he's like 
well, you know, I don't have a story. And Trapwell's a complete jerk about it. He's like, show some initiative. And that's how he says it. A good reporter can find a story anywhere. Show some initiative. Should There's he? Philadelphia out there. Philadelphia, you can find anything in this city. And da 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 da. Big news, bitches! The ban's been lifted and we are back in. Flipadelphia, here we come! Spanish-American War. Isn't that <laughs> going on? 1883. I don't know. I don't know. Jack's like, I like the voiceover's like, I hated my job. I hated old man Trapwell. I hated the way he said initiative. Like, this is stupid. I'm so upset. I need a story real bad. So uh, when Wally, one of his co-workers, is just like, hey, man, want to go out for a drink? And he's like, no, I'm going to wait for the late night wire. I really need a story to work on. And Wally's like, okay, peace. So... Nothing comes in of the late night wire. He sits down on um, this really uncomfortable looking leather couch, immediately falls asleep, has a nightmare about a volcano erupting. So he just wakes up. He's like, my dream was so vivid. I decided to write it all down and sell it as a short story. Because like Mar- that's what Mark Twain did. And Mark Twain had, like started as a reporter. So great. So he types out this story. It's so he's like, ugh. And reliving my dream was so exhausting. I just had to go home and go to sleep. So he leaves his story. In the typewriter. Because I guess the story is one page. I don't know. <laughs> it's a said short it, I... story. Very <laughs> short. So it's in the typewriter. He's Uh-oh. like, I made the mistake of leaving it in the typewriter. I went home and I slept in the next day. Yeah, that so seems exhausted. like a real dummy move. But that's just me. So Copy Boy, who definitely has 90s hair and a 90s soul patch, is going around and is like doing like gathering all of the stories that people have left out for him to pick up for the early edition and he sees the, a story sitting in the typewriter grabs it and takes it and he takes them all to old man trapwell trapwell sees this and he's reading it and he's like oh my god this is such a big scoop you know this could this could be the biggest scoop in years and orders to it to be in the, Joey put the make sure this is in the early edition you know and so jack finally comes into work and everyone's like applauding him because the story of um, this volcano eruption in on the island of Prolope is sweeping the nation. But that the Philadelphia, wherever they are, it got to do it first. Wait, some so, fictional town called Philly, Philly, Philadelphia. So, well, I mean, I just meant like I, they never say they're at like the Inquirer, you know. Yeah. Okay. Because they're, sure. they're not like sure. it's not like the pa- the paper of record in Philly. They're just in of Philadelphia record. at a paper. A scrappy so, startup. Jack comes in. Everyone's applauding this like news of Prolope, the scoop, and he's like, "What story are you talking about? I don't have a story." And um, Trapwell's all like, "What the fuck are you talking about? This is amazing! Like this thing that we did." Um, and he's stop and, being so modest, my boy. Oh, right, oh. and Jack immediately comes clean and goes, "That was a short story I wrote that I was going to write as I had a dream, and I wrote it down. I was going to sell it as a short story. It's not news. You have to put in retraction." And ethics, morals. Old old man Trapwell loses his mind. I'm going to be a laughing stock. How dare you? That wasn't so, him, man. That was right. Him. So he it was Joey. With the soul patch, mm. fucking taking a story and not looking, you know, whatever. Newsy Joey. So Trapwell goes to his office and starts getting ready to write the retraction, but then starts getting telegrams of news of like tidal waves and things like that, like resulting from a volcanic eruption 
in the Straits of Sunda in the in, in the Indian Ocean. So he had just finished writing the retraction. He had given it to Joey, and he's like, "Joey, bring that on back." And you get to um, trust Joey again. <laughs> and then, like, he keeps getting more and more reports. So he calls in Jack Hogan, and it's just like. And Jack's like, oh, I don't want to get fucking dressed down again. Like, he already yelled at me. So he's like, hey, sir. And he's like, my boy, it seems like you fucked out because your dream came true. Did he? Because I'm sorry. Did he luck out or did he fuck out? Because you kind of <laughs> merged the two together. What? You said, it says it seems like you flucked out. You've <laughs> lucked <laughs> out. I'm telling you. I'm telling Stop you. Stop criticizing my speech. It's the closed captioning is amazing. <laughs> so my boy, you've lucked out uh, because yeah, he lucked out, but not the people in this fucking island in the Indian Ocean where there was a volcanic eruption on the mm. island of Krakatoa. Not um, Prolope. That's what the locals call it. Oh, and burn. Jack's like. I'm the psychic. Um, so. <laughs> You've done it again, my boy. So he lucks out or whatever. Uh, is this real or is this something we dreamed up? Uh, I like it. I like it. You like it? I do. Okay. So it, it the feels, scoop. feels otherworldly and true. beyond belief. It's making me challenge my perceptions of what I view to be true. I mean, and false. it is not, a, it is not, a, there's no ghost. It's just a psychic thing. Yeah, but... I like that. I like that. Have, interestingly enough, we have not had a lot of representation of the cyclical arts. <laughs> the cyclical? I don't know. The psychic, uh, the psychic arena. Okay, there we go. ESP, <laughs> premonition. We, it's like all been. ESPN or something. It's like you can feel the weather in my boobs. It's definitely raining. <laughs> um, we've, we've had, obviously we've had our share of ghosts, the ghost stories, which I love. We haven't had a whole lot of the, I just had a vision things. True. So, yeah. All right. So, the scoop. True. Next to story number four. Angel on board. <laughs> Okay. The uh, prop is like two gigantic airplane seats, um, and Freaks is sitting in one of them. A flight on an airplane can be a great escape. You can leave the fax machine and the phone behind. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, so Beth McGuire is going on vacation. Um, she has flown many times before, her but her final destination is beyond belief. So Beth. Comes on board. She's so excited to go to Tahiti. It's just gonna. She's going by herself. She's gonna. She's gonna be her and some white sand beaches. She's so excited. She gets a mysterious upgrade. She turns to go towards the you know the plebe seats, and um, this flight attendant is just like, nope, you've been your seats up this way. You must have been upgraded because Beth's like, I didn't buy a first class ticket, and she's like, maybe they upgraded. And she's like, they didn't tell me that when I checked in. I was like, Beth, stop fucking questioning this right? and go to fucking first class. Do it. What is wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, to Tahiti. So, and this isn't at a time, and I don't know when they stopped having planes with, like, spiral staircases that go up to another floor or whatever. But you can definitely see a spiral staircase. Nice. Like, and there's, like, a lounge that has, like, a whole bunch of, like, there's a bar that has a bunch of cheese cubes. with. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, what I, I want like, when I travel. Cheese cubes. Cheese cubes. <laughs> so she goes to sit in her seat, and she sits in the window seat, and the same 
flight attendant comes back and goes, no, 3B is the aisle seat. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And she moves over and her seat companion has arrived. He goes, you know, I don't really care. If you want to sit in the window seat, you can. And she looks over and sees the flight attendant across the way. And the flight attendant goes, like, just shakes her head real slowly. Goes, Like, really intense eye contact and shakes her head really slowly. And so Beth's like, no, I will sit in my seat. (laughs) It's very Um, strange. Again, is she going to be kidnapped? Everyone in this this episode so far is giving me kidnappy vibes here. So, because, so now she's sitting in her seat and she's fine. She's reading and having a grand old time. The captain comes by and goes, how are you enjoying the flight so far? And she goes, yeah, man. Sure. (laughs) That's pretty great. We're going to Tahiti. Awesome. Yeah. So he goes, you should probably buckle your seatbelt in case we hit a pocket of turbulence. And she goes, thanks. She buckles her seatbelt. He walks away. She goes to her seatmate. That was nice of him. And he goes, huh? She's like, the captain just told me to buckle my seatbelt. And he goes, huh? There's no one here. And she looks back. She's like, he's right there. And there's no one. There's just a whole bunch of people up around the cheese cubes on the, in the bar, like chatting and the spiral staircase. See, those cheese and cubes are going to be the death of you. <laughs> so she's like, huh, that's weird. Anyway, so then she falls asleep and wakes up to a pilot's announcement that they're about to land in Oahu and stop there for a couple hours before they continue on to Tahiti. And she gets, this makes her very, very nervous for some reason. And she actually, the voiceover actually says she's like, I don't know why this made me so anxious and nervous. Like I've flown a thousand times. Like this is so weird. She gets up and goes to the bathroom and it's like splashing water in her face and everything. And she hears an announcement again, like everyone needs to return to their seats immediately. She's like, okay. She comes back and she puts on her seatbelt and she tightens it and stuff. She turns to her seatmate and she goes, I, she's like, I don't know why I'm so nervous about this. I mean, does the fact that he announced that mean that we're landing early? Like what's, mm-hmm. what's going on? He's like, what are you talking about? And he's perfectly nice, but he's like clearly confused by this woman and why she's like freaking out. And he's like, she's like the pilot's announcement just now. And he's like, there was no announcement just now, lady. And she's just like, no, I heard it in the bathroom. It must've been out here. He's like, if there was an announcement, why are people still up out and out of their seats? And like, literally no one else is moving to their seats. Like everyone is just still, you know, they're just jiving and cheesing it up. Yeah. And so she goes, huh. And then she sees the same flight attendant again, go, and like, <laughs> literally, and then you like, guys can't she, see the death stares that Katie is giving me, and mouthing, like very, while mouthing, tighten your very, seatbelt. Very intense. And then like, she hears the woman's voice in her head, "Tighten your seatbelt," and she goes, "Okay." And, and then she looks to her side, where the guy next to her, her seatmate, does not have his seatbelt buckled, and she goes, "I thought of telling my seatmate." But he'd already heard so much about my fears and she had like had weirded him out so much that she's like, I'm not going to tell him like about all this weird psychic shit that she's hearing. Half of the plane rips off and just her casual like half the plane and rips her seatmate. Off. Yeah, like like something like depressurized or whatever. And like half the plane just like rips off and like everything. And she was holding on for dear life. And so like. All the passengers in front of her and her seatmate, whose seat wasn't buckled because that bitch didn't tell him to, are ripped out of the plane and die. And yeah, man. And they they land and she's fine. And and 
But is she fine? Is she really? I mean, well, then she physically. says. So her report is basically like, were there angelic people on board? Because apparently other people on this plane who also survived had reported the same sort of psychic communication and like heard the announcement. It, you know, was this just a psychic premonition or was, were, were, were there a band of angels on board telling only some people how to survive? And uh, so was there a band of angels on board or was it a band of writers? Is that the scientific term for a group of writers? A band of them? Uh, is it like a bevy of swans and a band of writers? Is that what a we are talking mur- about? A, mur- a murder of writers. A murder of writers. And, okay. So there are there are angelic beings on this plane, but they just don't give a shit about some people. Yeah, that tracks. That, that tracks. <laughs> maybe, maybe those maybe those are the bad people. I was thinking, yeah, there's some people I wouldn't be too upset about if they didn't. All make the people it back getting cheese to gone. Look. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's go for true on that one too. True. True. Okay. True. True. Uh, I, I feel like this is the part of the multiple choice test where I'm like, well, it's 50-50. <laughs> and remember, your perfect score came in one where they had four of something. That's right. And one, so you never know. Um, anyway, story number five, Buenos Dias. When I saw that this was going to be a thing, when I saw that being the title, I was oh. quite worried. But don't Oh, no worry. racist. Okay. There's nothing... Are you sure? I don't think so. So anyway, Buenos Dias. The prop is a gigantic weather vane. And then next to that is like a screen showing like a weather radar. So you're seeing like oldie timey forecasting Mm -hmm. and modern day forecasting. Mm -hmm. Um, Weather forecasting is no longer a guessing game. You know, we can... We can see hurricanes and tornadoes forming and, you know, advise people. We can see volcanoes erupting in our dreams. You know, there you go. But there are still sometimes victims like little, and he overpronounces this, La Juiza. Like he adds like a little Spanish flavor to it. Um, Anyway. Jonathan Frakes. What have you done? (laughs) What have you done? So... She was playing in the basement when there was, like, there was some afternoon thunderstorms. Wait, who was playing in the basement? Little Lobisa. Okay, just making sure. There's some thunderstorms, and then out of nowhere, there's a twister. Her house collapses. She's a twister. twister. Oh, no, Dorothy. What are we going to do? And so her life now hangs on the whims of fate. Whims? Ooh, you got some pie, huh? Can I have a piece? Uh, sure. Ooh, let me have some of that cool whip. What'd you say? You can't have a pie without Cool Whip. Cool Whip? Cool Whip, yeah. You mean Cool Whip? Yeah, Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Cool Whip. You're saying it weird. Why are you putting so much emphasis on the H? What are you talking about? I'm just saying it. Cool Whip. You put Cool Whip on pie. Pie tastes better with Cool Whip. Say Whip. Whip. Now say Cool Whip. Cool Whip. He adds on to that. Her favorite words are Buenos Dias, which means good day, but she's not having a good day right now. Wow. Let's state the obvious for this story. Okay. So we see some stock footage of a twister and everything. And you Mm. hear uh, a newscaster going that the tornado struck without warning during some thunderstorms. And then we hear a voiceover from Skip, one of the disaster workers. Skip. Skip. You're telling me Skip's not the name of a weatherman, but a disaster worker. 
He's a disaster worker. The reporter was Wanda Lopez. Let's hear what Skip has to say. Skip, over to you. <laughs> so Skip is walking around with his band of like excavating dudes. And he's a, a band. Those <laughs> a traveling band of bands. excavating dudes. He had almost given up hope of finding more people. They've been searching for. So- At this point, it had been like, we find out Louise has been trapped for 48 hours eventually. So they've been cleaning up from this disaster. And so he's like, so at this point, he's giving up hope of finding more survivors amongst the rubble, right? And then he hears some crying. You know, he's like, he puts his hand up to his ear and he's like, what is? Uh And so he goes over to this pile of rubble and he's like, hello, hello down there. Is there anyone down there? And no one responds. And the other workers are like, you're imagining this. And then he hears it again. And then um, Raj, his... uh, like partner or whatever is just like oh i hear that too and so they he, he's like hello hello and then he goes who are you are you like we're coming like are there people down there with like scream like basically yeah. trying to get this person who's crying to respond and she goes this poor child can't act i am louisa <laughs> <laughs> and like that's also the fault of the writers but i am louisa does she say i am louisa or does she say i am louisa <laughs> louisa no she goes i am louisa <laughs> Um, I'm hungry and I am so tired. My head hurts, etc. So he's like, Louisa, don't worry. And when he has like the most southern of twangs too. So he's just like, don't worry, Louisa. We're coming down there for you. And then he turns and talks to Roger and Roger's just like, yeah, we can't just tunnel straight down. It'll cause everything to collapse on her. We got to go at an angle. It's going to take a long time. Da, 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 da. So uh, Skip is there like trying to talk down to where Louisa is in the basement to try and keep her talking because she has a head injury. So he wants to keep her awake. And so Raj goes off with the band of excavators and is trying to get down there to her. And he's just like, Louisa, tell, you know, is this your house? And like, she just doesn't respond to him a lot. She cries most of the time, but then sometimes she'll respond to him. Right. And then you find out this is her grandfather's house. She's like, she she keeps asking for her grandfather, her grandfather, her grandfather. And And then he's like, you know, so this is your grandfather's house. She's like, yeah, you know, he's the greatest. He always wakes me up. And he says, buenos dias, Luisa. And he's like, well, that's, he's like, well, that's wonderful. And so he's like calling, you know, he calls on like his walkie talkie. He's like, we're trying to find, like, we have this girl named Luisa. We're trying to find her grandfather. Like, she's been dead for 20 years. So he finally hears back from the people who are at like the shelters where people are gathering that he grandfather didn't make it. She starts to fade out. And he's like, Louisa, Louisa, you need to stay away. Louisa, Louisa, you need to stay away. And, um, you know, Roger keeps coming back to be like, it's going to take another hour. And they're like, we need to get to her now. And then, so she's Cut fading. Cut the crap, and she, Roger. And she's, you know, she's fading and she's lying there. And then you hear, Buenos dias, Louisa. And there's like mystical music playing. Buenos dias, Louisa. Buenos dias. Skip and Raj hear it too. They're like, do you hear that? Where is that coming from? Buenos dias, Louisa. And she's like, Buenos dias, Grandpa. And it's very like cute that she's just like, oh, now I have hope. So now I'm going to stay mm-hmm. awake. And now, so they finally get her out. And um, they're like, where is that coming from? <laughs> in the window, in the window of a house nearby, there is a parrot that is saying Buenos dias, Louisa. <laughs> it is a neon red parrot going Buenos dias, and Louisa sees the parrot and is like, that's Pedro, my grandfather's parrot. Oh, by the way, where's my grandpa? And like, Skip does oh not God. tell her that oh he's dead. God. 
Peter just like, look at that parrot. Hey, Pedro, what's up? And, he, and the parrot just keeps going. Buenos dias, Luisa. And like, they couldn't tell that this was coming from a bird until a like seven-year-old had to point it out who has a head injury. <laughs> it's Pedro, the parrot. It's like a really bad episode of Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Literally, it's, just, it's so funny because she's just like, where's my grandfather? I heard him. I heard him. Where is he? And Skip's like trying to figure out how he's going to tell this head injured girl. Yeah, he dead. Skip, that's then, not your job. And then she goes, look, it's Pedro. <laughs> like out of nowhere, there's parrot. There had been no and mention of the parrot previously. And literally, it's like, a imagine the most stereotypical, like, parrot it's like bright red with like the coloring in the tail and it's huge and he's just <sighs> chilling it's not like hiding it's just like in the window of another house going like what's up so oh my lord i was cut. i was with this story until the goddamn <laughs> parrot showed up cut to frakes did the grandfather transfer his spirit to his no parrot? he did not <laughs> no or was the parrot just mimicking him is there truth buried in the rubble there's no or. It's just, is there truth in the rubble? Did we make this up or is there truth buried in the rubble? So false. Okay. I'm just false. mad about the bird part. Like I said, everything up until the bird part, I was like, yeah. The sweet it's that the so grandpa. It's so out of nowhere. The it's sweet so grandpa. Like, did they do the, the thing that they're famous for where they zoomed in on the parrot and they zoomed no, in on Raj and they zoomed on the parrot and they zoomed in on Skip? Like, hey, it's Pedro. And like, pa- like, Pedro's just chilling. No one's caring for Pedro. And now the grandfather's dead. And like, Louise is going off to wherever. I think, though, yeah. I think they do make a point at one point that like the grandfather's all Louisa has. Oh, wow. Well. And like, so now who's going to care care for both Louisa and oh. for Pedro? Buenos dias, Louisa. Anyway, <laughs> although when you hear, when she's hearing it in the basement, it sounds much more mystical sure. and everything. And then once you see that it's a parrot, it sounds a lot more squawky. Like a parrot. Well, it, 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 it's it. I mean, it still sounds like a do. Like it sounds like they trained this parrot to say this, so it does sound like because you know because yeah, very. Anyway, that is all five of our stories. We've locked okay. in. We've locked in. Can I just go over the disasters? Yeah, sure. Okay, so the first disaster was they they avoided um, the Lusitania, but they bit it in Hindenburg. Yes, the man in the Model T. It wasn't really their disaster so much as a great grandfather's disaster. Well, there's a Titanic, but also there was like an earthquake and a tremor that he doesn't feel. Okay. I think maybe they just threw maybe they just threw that in there because they wanted someone to have else a pointed out that there was no theme. Okay. In the news scoop, it was the volcano. Yep. Angel on board was the plane issue and then Buenos Dias, poor little Luisa. Yeah. She um okay. And Pedro. You know what? Poor Pedro, because you're right. Who's going to take in an older parrot? Those parrots live a long time. Yeah. It's and like having he a just fa- kept saying it. So it's just like. You're going to have a. Is that all he says? It's yes. He's going to say that a lot. Yes. For the next 20 years, you will. You too can be the owner of a parrot who says nothing but buenos dias, Buenos Luisa. dias, Luisa. In a mystical tone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the answers are locked in. I, I went false, true, 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 false. So it's a truth sandwich with false bread. Correct. Okay. That is ha- that is also what I have written down confirmed. So here we go. I don't feel good about this. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm very vulnerable right now, and I just I don't feel great about these answers. Okay. But that's okay. It's okay. okay. It's okay. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Final 
destination style. 22 years later, 22. Beth Keeman got him on the Hindenburg. You said false. I said this false. This is indeed false. <gasps> I, I want to say that he did. Is, so was this true? No. We made it up. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. So that's one. That's no num- uh, numero Man uno. in the Model T. Yes. You said true. I said true. No. Oh. I made this one up too. Whammy. Wham, wham. The scoop. <laughs> Whammy. <laughs> the scoop. The new scoop, not to be confused with a better scoop of ice cream. Which I'm going to have to obtain at some point today. Uh, you said true. I said true. That he, he did dream of Prolope. And I, did, mm-hmm. I meant to Google this too um, to see if like Krakatoa and Prolope were like a thing. You said true. I said this true. This is... True. I'm sorry. I maybe I should clarify. Not only did I go for it for the psych psychic aspect of it, but also there was an old, I'm assuming, white man being a jerk. So Yeah. Angel on board. You said true. Yes. This is true. So yeah, there's yeah. there was a, a flight attendant going and like <laughs> shaking choosing her head. choosing to save Beth over random white dude next to her. Um we don't know what fine. kind of shit random white dude was up to. We don't know. I mean yeah. It's not my true. business. True, true, true. It was that angel flight attendant's business. So yeah, we'll do some real time Googling after we find out your final score um on the Prolope thing and okay. on if people have reported that a bunch of angels told them what to do. So, uh, that's how I live my buenos, life. <laughs> uh, buenos dias. Uh, was there a parrot giving a child hope as she waited to be rescued? Uh, no, there was not. Correct. You were correct oh, that it's false. That's another time when, I mean, I guess there wasn't a ghost here, right? This wasn't there, a ghostly that's tale. The thing is, it was because there was no ghost. Yeah, no ghost is doing that lifting. Pedro's just chatting. Okay. That is a four out of five, my friends. That's a pretty good score on the boob scale. Yeah, that's a four out of five boobs. Four out of five boobs ain't bad. Wow. I was really nervous about coming back and defending my... And having having a fall from grace. (laughs) I mean, that literally happened the moment we stopped recording after that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, it's me, but... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so wait. Prolope. Wow. I started to type it in and it's suggesting to me prolapsed uterus. I'm very excited. Oh, Google, you think you know me, but you don't. Krakatoa prophecy. Krakatoa, a volcanic nightmare. Oh. Edward, so Edward Sampson, not Joe Hogan, his nightmare vision of volcanic eruption was so real that Edward Sampson was able to write about it in startling detail, and he got the sack when it was published. <gasps> oh. So this was at the Boston Globe, not Damn. in Philadelphia. Um, he finally, you know, the night news, he was the night news editor. He dozed off at his desk. He woke up soaked with sweat, feeling of panic and horror. He had a short but vivid and terrifying dream in which he saw a mighty volcano erupt in the East Indies. Damn. To his amazement, he discovered he knew the name of the island, but to his best memory, he had never heard of it before. 
The disaster spot was Krakatoa, a volcanic island in the Straits of Sunda, halfway between Java and Sumatra, and it seemed to Samson that the island was destroyed in an avalanche of boulders and lava. Wow. Uh, around 3 a.m. on the 27th of August, 1883, he returns to his desk, types it all out, calls it the greatest explosion on Earth. Although he had no hard facts about the death toll or the number of homes and villages destroyed, he composed a graphic, seemingly firsthand account of the disaster. He complete he left the completed story on the new on the day editor's desk went home to bed a special edition of the globe went on sale later that day it kept his uh version in there he gets fired on the spot because he told so in this one it's not a mistake in this one he literally submits it well um about that one i mean that was dumb but okay Wow. So, and, and the whole thing is one more starting revelation to come. In his dreams, Samson said he had heard a strange word repeated over again. The word was prolope, and the journalist swore he had never heard it or read it ever before. And it was the ancient native name for Krakatoa, but it had been and it had been out of use for 200 years. Whoa. To Samson, this was final proof that he had been given a peep into the future, um, which is every newspaperman's secret hope. Is it? That's why that's why early edition starring Kyle Chandler was a show. <laughs> oh, by the way, um our our newsman was about a decade off of writing about the Spanish American War, but I was pretty damn oh, close. Yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. Oh, pretty close. I'm also really, really happy that uh the show itself dug itself out of its racist <laughs> past. <laughs> You know? I saw Buenos Dias and I was like, oh. I would have no. too. I would have been like, here we fucking But no, go the, again. it wasn't like a racist parrot. It was just like he had a parrot. Although, you know, re listening to the episode where I did have my uh, win streak, the epic yes. episode where the show turned 21. Yes. That's when I realized, you know, the racism in the show has been pervasive because that was when we first discovered that when you play chess, the white pieces go first. <laughs> So it's been there, you know. White always goes first. Ain't that the truth? I'm really excited today. I'm actually about to probably put on a full hoodie. I'm wearing a, a cropped hoodie, mm-hmm. which is going to be a little chilly outside today. Because um, Steph and I are going to have tamales. And I'm very Ooh, excited. Ooh, yay. I got to go get them. Jealous. Jealous. You know what yeah. I get to do today? What do you guys do today? We're at that magical point uh, in coronavirus land where super husband needs another haircut. So, <laughs> uh-huh. he's not going to be 90s looking super husband. He's going to be a fresh cut super hus. Mm-hmm. I like how you cut off the end of super husband there because he's getting a haircut. So instead of super husband, it's <laughs> super hus. I like that you caught on to that. Thank you. I like that a lot better than like something like a super hub or super hubby. I hate the word hubby. It makes me want to vomit. It's like a cubby. I, like a I react cubby, cubby. more poorly to hubby than I react poorly to moist. Um, listeners, how did you do? Did you also continue a streak of excellence the way MM has? Uh, let us know how you did. Um, did you get four out of five boobs? More boobs? Less boobs? Let us know um what is the perfect number of boobs oh i guess we know it's five out of five. Oh yeah just so you have a spare boob two sets and then a spare (laughs) you never Uh, know when you need that spare i mean one might go flying out of a plane it's just like or you know it's like a flat tire you just never know 
you can find us on the internets at Wine Times Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can con- find us both on our individual accounts at Katie Haas or at True Kind of Wine sixty nine. Um, we hope we talk to you next week. Come pop a bottle with us, and MM will give us a follow-up review on the wines she has received. Oh, oh, yes. I cannot wait. I guarantee you they will be here before our next recording session, and they will be in my refrigerator shortly thereafter. Oh.